Welcome to EdCouncil Insights. This is our new podcast to provide legal insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you're in the right place. Today for our podcast, we are going to discuss something that has become a big issue for most schools in the past year, and that is school employee free speech. With the challenges of COVID and an unsettled political landscape, schools have become a focal point for free speech issues surrounding a number of topics, everything from whether or not to have in-person instruction, to mass mandates, to racial tensions, and to presidential elections. All matters that stir passions and strong opinions of people on all sides of these debates. And schools have in many ways been at the center of this stage. So it's no surprise that Missouri schools have had and will continue to have a number of issues associated with the rights of employees to express themselves and the school's ability to regulate some of this speech in the interest of what is best for kids. And where do we go to, where do people go to express themselves these days? Well, it should come as no surprise to anyone that the primary stump for free speech has become social media in its many facets and forms. Bear in mind, we're talking about First Amendment here. And so this is an area where there are fewer bright line rules to be followed. And the legal analysis centers more on balancing the rights of the employee speaking and the authority of the school to control that speech to avoid disruptive effect on its operations. So today, to discuss issues surrounding public employee free speech, and in particular, speech using social media, we have as our guest, Ms. Emily Omohundro. Emily is a partner here at Ed Council, a school attorney who does work for more than 200 Missouri public school districts, large and small, and is also a member of her local school board. So she brings keen insight into a number of these issues. Emily, welcome. Hello. Um, let's dive into school employee free speech issues, and in particular, the use of social media, if you don't mind. Um, and maybe the, the, the place to start here, Emily, would be to hear from you some examples of the, the type of issues you've seen in Missouri schools over the last year or so. So we've really seen a lot of different issues come up um, with employees using social media. You mentioned some topics and in the introduction, and we've just seen employees expressing a lot of opinions, concerns, having debates online, um, even posting uh, comments on things like news articles online about masking. Um, Dr. Seuss would be an, a recent um, issue that has come up, um, expressing thoughts about the violence that occurred at the Capitol. Um, so basically anything that's happening in the public sphere, especially things that are political or um, social in nature are really coming up online. And our employees, just like everyone else who's on social media, is deeply involved in those conversations. Good, good stuff there. Um, as school leaders contact you, how do you evaluate these types of incidents and, and work with school leaders to sort out exactly what the school can do, if anything, to handle some of the controversies that are surrounding employee free speech, in particular on social media? Well, for anybody who has ever called a school attorney with a question, um, they will know that a lot of times the first thing that we do instead of answering the question is ask some more questions. So there's really... <laughs> There are really a handful of questions that we want to ask when a speech issue like this comes up. Um, and the first question, perhaps 
relatively obvious, but um, is to ask precisely what is the speech? So um, where is that occurring? Is it online? Was it something that happened in the hallway? Um, what's the content of the speech? Did the employee specifically write or type or say something, or are they sharing something that someone else wrote or posted? So that's really the first question, because we have to kind of um, really narrow down what it is that we're looking at in order to ask these additional questions about the content of the speech and whether or not it's something that we can regulate or what we really should be doing about that. So the second question uh, that we ask is, whether the speech is advocating, supporting, or opposing a ballot measure or a political candidate. Why is that an important question? Because if the answer to that is yes, it takes us down a different uh, path of analysis. So um, because public employees who are speaking to advocate, support, or oppose a ballot measure or a political candidate, um, there are rules about how and when they can do that and what resources can be used in order to uh, make that kind of speech. So if the answer to that is yes, we go in a little bit of a different direction with our analysis. Um, and, and this year in particularly, I feel like that question while it didn't come up as often before in a year where there are so many um, legislative issues or political issues, sometimes the answer to that is yes. And so it takes us down that other path that uh, we didn't always need to go down that often whenever we were analyzing speech before. So hey, I'll stop you there, Emily. I want to ask, um, when you say political candidate, um, is that any political candidate just for the local school board? What are we talking about? So yeah, that's a good question. So it would be any political candidate, um, whether that is your local school board, your city council, your uh, local government, state governor, um, and so also would be the national level. So presidential election, United States Senate, House of Representatives. So that's why I think uh, this year, and I think we will see in coming years, um, people are much more politically vocal now. So this question is going to come up more and more for us about whether or not um, our employees are speaking about those kinds of issues. In particular, using the school's resources to do that, right? Absolutely. So those restrictions about the use of school resources um, when it comes to ballot measures and political candidates, that just has a different analysis than most other kinds of speech. Okay. I interrupted you there. You were about to go to another issue that you look at beyond that, but I just wanted to clarify that about the political candidacy. I think that's important given the amount of political speech that we've seen in the last 12, 12 to 16 months. So uh, assuming that we are uh, kind of departing from that analysis, uh, the next question that we would ask is, was the speech made as part of the employee's job duties or in their capacity as an employee? So were they on the premises? Were they um, engaging in instruction? Were they speaking at a staff meeting? Were they on the bus as their um, role as a softball coach? So, you know, we would be asking um, where, whether they were engaging in their job duties um, or if they were doing something in their capacity as one of our employees. And I think one of the reasons that's really an important question is I think that that's where some confusion lies for employees about whether or not their speech would be protected by the First Amendment, because 
Um, I think there's a misunderstanding out there that if an employee is off the clock and not at school and they're speaking, that there is, they can say whatever they want. Um, And while they do have more freedom when they're not speaking as an employee or in their employment capacity, there's still things that can create um, disruptions and there could be reason to regulate that speech, even if they are not speaking in their capacity as employee. But when they have, when they are speaking in their capacity as an employee, um, then we have more authority to be able to take some sort of action about speech. Let me ask you about that, because it sounds like you're talking about things like, for example, if a teacher is sitting at home at night and posting something on social media, that still may bleed over into that analysis that you just mentioned about what they do as an employee. Can you explain that a little bit more? Maybe you can give us an example. Sure. Yes. So um, we had a situation um, where a staff member of the district posted on social media um, that he was very proud of his daughter for standing up for her rights and not wearing a mask, even though the school was going to require her to wear a mask and all other students to wear a mask. And so uh, he posted on social media what proud daddy was and that he encouraged her to continue to stand up for herself and not wear a mask at school and hoped that other students would take part in that sort of protest because the masking doesn't work and COVID wasn't real. And so that was a post that the staff member made, not while he was at school, um, but it's pretty clear from the content of that speech that it has to do with a policy that the school passed or that the board approved regarding masking. Um, it is speaking, that post was speaking to students of the district. So, uh, you know, encouraging breaking a policy. So even though um, that staff member may have thought that they were speaking in their capacity as um, a parent, for instance, and not a staff member, um, it doesn't really matter because they are clearly tying that speech to the district and the district's policies and encouraging some um, non-compliance with those policies. And not to skip ahead or try to get ahead of you here, but does it matter what types of things that the employee's speaking about? You know, uh, you know, we hear a lot about speaking out about a matter of public concern and that being protected speech. Does it, does it really matter? And what are we talking about? What is private speech and what is public uh, speech or what is speaking out about a private matter versus speaking out about a matter of public concern? So that is one of the questions that we would ask. So asking whether the speech is regarding a matter of public concern versus a matter of private concern. And that question Um, really derives from case law about what employee free speech is, what employee speech is protected and what employee speech isn't protected. And the case that that has to do with is um, about an employee who writes a letter to the editor of the local paper talking about the bond or levy issue that the district um, was running. And the employee was expressing concerns about the expenditure of past funds that the the district had asked the public for. Um, And so that speech 
was categorized by the court as uh, the employee speaking not in their capacity as an employee, but as a private citizen on a matter of public concern. So the matter of public concern is the expenditure of taxpayer dollars. So when we look at um, the content of the speech, it is important to ask ourselves, is this an employee who's speaking about something like the expenditure of, of tax dollars? Are they speaking about um, the conditions of community property? I mean, something that, something that would be important to others outside of that employee's private life, for instance. Whereas speaking on a matter of private concern um, would be talking about um, the employee's personal life, for instance, um, you know, and, and those, and those kinds of things. So you have to kind of try to separate that. I think the line can get blurry there. So we have to look really closely at what the speech is. Um, but in matters of public concern, when an employee is speaking as a private citizen are, have a heightened protection. Good. Thank you for that. And for indulging me there, but I find that to be a point of confusion sometimes. Always happy to teach you new things, Dwayne. Excellent. <laughs> so one of the next questions that we would ask is whether the speech is so disruptive that it prevents the district from efficient operation. What does that even mean? So um, going back to the example about the staff member who was encouraging students, his own student and other students not to comply with the district's mask requirement. So um, I think it's certainly possible that we could look at the employee that the category of that employee's speech um, as a matter of public concern. We have somebody who is speaking out against a policy that the district has, and they don't think that it's best for kids um, or even anyone apparently to wear a mask. And so they were speaking out against that. And however, the result of that speech was that the student, his student and multiple other students began to come to school and refused to comply with the district's mask requirement. So in that sense, even if we would consider that employee speaking on their own time as a private citizen, speaking out against masking, which could be considered a public concern, a matter of public concern. So we would assume that that would have some heightened protection. However, um, they, the speech was disruptive in the sense that it encouraged all of these students to violate a policy. So, and we also have the tie to the school environment because um, the staff member, even though they're speaking on their own time outside of school, um, the staff member is also so intertwined with the school environment. And when you hear a school employee say not to comply with a school rule, um, you know, they're really speaking about policies that they are bound to uphold as a staff member. One of the interesting things about that example that you just gave us is that the, the individual employee was also acting as a parent too, right? So, you know, they were talking about their own kid and what their own kid might do with respect to the rules, but then also cultivating that kind of, um, uh, you know, violation of board policy uh, about wearing masks and violating the school's mask mandate. Um, and cultivating that among other students. And so I think there's a difference there, isn't there? I mean, really talking to their own kid versus talking to other students. Yes. So I think that um, 
the line between employee and parent, uh, just like the line between board member and parent, for instance, can be pretty blurry about what is and isn't acceptable. But just like employees probably feel like they can never take off their parent hat, um, similarly, the district must also consider the fact that employees also don't take off their employee hat whenever they're gone. Um, any teacher who, any elementary teacher who walks into a local grocery store knows that they are still the, you know, kindergarten teacher and parents and kids are going to come running up to them even outside of school environment. So um, that's something important to consider too, uh, that even though that, that staff member may wear many hats in the community, their employee hat remains on um, for the most part when we're talking about speech issues. So the next question and, and probably the one of the questions that we would look at sort of in conjunction with what is the speech is whether the, a, a particular kind of speech falls into a category that has less protection. So categories of speech um, that have less protection under the First Amendment are um, things like things that are threats, true threats. Um, things that are um, inciting violence, um, things that are vulgar or, um, I don't know, Dwayne, what are some of the other examples there? I'm trying to think back to some of those, well, some I, of those cases. I always think about, um, you know, obscenity and, and fighting words and those kinds of things that are just not entitled to the same level of protection under the First Amendment. I know that those are ones that it makes it easier for the school to oh, regulate yes. those things because they're just not entitled to the heightened protection. So um, I think those are probably areas, you know, you can get into other areas like commercial speech and defamation, but really I think the, um, the obscenity and fighting words seem to come up most for me. Yeah. And I think that um, what, one of the things that we have certainly seen this past year, you know, you talked about, um, heightened passions among people about the subjects that tend to come up politically and socially, um, it absolutely does make it easier for the district to um, regulate or discipline speech whenever it has things like curse words in it and, you know, things that seem threatening because, you know, we have staff conduct policies about not using profanity and, and you know, those sorts of things. And so when we look at the speech itself, um, perhaps the more passionate it is, <laughs> depending on your depending on your definition of that, sometimes that can become less protected just by virtue of the words that are used. Yes. So you you you've kind of referred to some stuff that's uh, happened over the last year, and the example you gave about the the, the employee and um, the mask mandate is a great one, I think, but. Can you give the audience a, an idea of some other things that you've looked at, um, other types of examples that have come up in this arena? Sure. So we have had um, a number of situations where staff members have posted or shared something that maybe it's a meme or um, a speech that a politician gave or um, an actor or an actress, just somebody famous that, you know, wrote a blurb about some things that were going on socially or politically. Um, and so seeing speech like that, um, where we are name calling the other side, um, perhaps we are, uh, we have people who are 
using um, inappropriate racial language to describe the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, using, we've seen a lot of that. Um, because again, we know we talk about those, those heightened passions. And when people feel strongly about a social justice issue, and also, I mean, we see both sides or all sides, perhaps is a better way to put that all sides coming out and, and expressing their opinions. Um, and so we did see a lot of that. And that has the context of that and the concern about that looks different for every district, um, as we have seen, um, depending on the uh location of the district, the potentially past issues that the district has had regarding things like race or other um, hot button topics. So we've seen a number of employees share um, unflattering photos of uh, or comparisons between um, races and animals, for instance, we saw that. Um, and so we've seen a number of things like that. And really the employee for the most part, is not the one who's really creating the speech. Usually they're just, you know, they're putting it out there, but they're not creating the actual picture or, or whatever, or video, for instance. And so, you know, we've seen a number of instances like that, where in the way that that tends to come into the school environment, you know, they're posting on social media, it's off the clock usually. And um, we've seen parents call and complain. We have seen coworkers complain that they felt like they couldn't work with someone who had those kinds of beliefs or had used those sorts of words, for instance. We've also had, um, oddly, people from that didn't have anything to do with the district. Uh, maybe they live in Washington State or they live in New York or they live in Florida and they see a post and whether that was shared by someone they know or they're searching the internet for these kinds of things. So we've had complete strangers reach out to district superintendents and say, um, hi, I want you to know that one of your school bus drivers has posted this uh, meme that I consider racist. And I can't imagine that you could have somebody employed with the district and working with children who would say such things. So, um, you know, that goes into also the depending on what the actual speech is, because of course that's the question that we're asking first. But um, you know that how we find out about it and who is complaining about it goes into that analysis about whether the speech is so disruptive that it's um, affecting the district's operation. Because um, you know if we only have two random strangers, citizens that don't, you know, live or reside in the district or have kids that go to the district and they're the ones who are complaining and we haven't heard anything about it in the school environment or from parents or coworkers, you know, we may have a little bit of a tougher sell that there's a disruption. All good information, Emily. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time today to let me quiz you a little bit and for you to teach me a little bit about uh, your insights into school employee free speech issue. We appreciate you, the listeners, for taking the time today, and we hope you'll follow and share our Ed Council podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes uh, on the current legal topics with practical insights on how to manage the legal risk and compliance issues related to school law. Uh, you can give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, or and LinkedIn, or you can check us out on our website. Uh, just Google Ed Council. That's all one word, E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L and you'll find us there. 
Glad we could be together. And thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Counseling Insights.